This podcast is sponsored by The Hoopery, the brand dedicated to the fashion, lifestyle, and culture of basketball and its fans. Rooted by fundamentals and life lessons the game teaches us. Their goal is to take what we learn through the game and apply that on and off the court. Their gear sells out fast, so make sure you go follow them on social media at The Hoopery and check out their online store at thehoopery.com. That's www.thehoopery.com. Thehoopery.com. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest, assistant coach of the Lakers, Phil Handy, joins the show. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Coach Phil. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Here with my man of the hour, Coach Phil, assistant coach of the Lakers. What's up, Coach? Coach, how you doing? All is well. How are you today? I am blessed. Thank you for taking my call. Um, To all my listeners out there, can you give a small insight to a Cali kid that grew up in Cali and uh, played some ball? What kind of insight are you looking for, Coach? Let's go from the beginning to college to the pros overseas. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm uh, born and raised in Oakland, California. Um, come from a very big family, six brothers, one sister. I'm the youngest of my family. I've been playing basketball since I was five years old. Been a part of my life for a long time. Um, I went to James Logan High School in Union City, which is uh, up in Northern California. And uh, from there, I went to Skyline Community College, played a year and and I went to uh, went to University of Hawaii and played a couple years there. Um, and after that short stop in Hawaii, I found myself uh, getting the opportunity to play for the Golden State Warriors, which was like my favorite team. Obviously, being in the Bay Area, it's a team I grew up watching. So my very first uh, NBA uniform I put on for the Warriors. Uh, the next year, I played for the, the Portland Trailblazers. And then after that, I went to Europe. I went to Europe for about uh, about good eight eight and a half years and i never came back europe was a great and it was a great place for me in terms of just developing as a young man and get to learn different things about different cultures and different people so i really i really appreciate the opportunity to go to europe and and play over there and after i retired and i retired in 2003 from professional basketball and i i started my training business 94 feet of game and that was Man, that was some years ago, and I ran that business for 13 years before I uh, before I took a coaching job in the NBA. And my first my first um, first job was with the Los Angeles Lakers in 2000, and spent two years here with the Lakers, and then I went to Cleveland with the Cavaliers. Spent five years in, in Cleveland with the Cavs, and last year I was in Toronto with the Toronto Raptors, and. And now I'm full circle back here with the Lakers, man. 
for the next next few years. So, in short, you know that's been my that's been my basketball journey from from teenage kid all the way up to uh, to where I am now. Right, right. Um, now you know in this basketball community, you said Europe was like phenomenal for you. What life lessons did you learn outside of your own culture? Man, coach, you know that's a great question. I just I really learned a lot about people, um, and more so about how how much of resources that we have here in the states. I just learned that you know outside of our country, uh, people live a lot more simple. Um, they really value uh, their family time, the dinner time, and, you know all the little small things because we have so much stuff available here to us in the states that you know, I really just had a grew an appreciation for for what we do have here, but also grew an appreciation for connecting with people and, and learning about different cultures. And in that, you know, I learned a lot about myself uh, to, you know, to get outside of my bubble and learn about different walks of life, different food, different languages. You know, so many things that it taught me that if I wouldn't have, wouldn't have went to Europe, I don't think I'd be as well of a rounded person that I've become. Wow. That's a blessing in itself right there. Yeah, um, yeah, a good friend of mine, Cody Topper, always talks about um, his life experiences um, bouncing around from team to team in Europe and how much it's taught him. Similar to what you said, that's why I asked that question. I asked it to him. I thought that was very intriguing to me because, you know, I, 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 would, I would love to try to do something like that and just kind of live out the box of my own box and, and yeah. see other cultures. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, growing up in Oakland, California, obviously, uh, it's kind of a lot, you know, they got that gritty toughness. Um, there's a couple of places like that in the States. Um, and, those, and you find your love of basketball sometimes through the blacktop. And that's how I found it. And so what do you think about today's generation, especially kids not playing as much blacktop basketball and playing those OGs? Man, you know, blacktop basketball is where, is where I grew up. I mean, you know, back then when we were we were coming up, because um, there wasn't there wasn't very much access to a gym. So if you had the opportunity to play on in a gym, that was like a a major privilege. That was <laughs> that was like a golden day of hoop right there where you can get on the hardwood. But we we lived outside night and day, day and night. You know, if there was ever a park that had lights. Man, that was like the ultimate outdoor nighttime basketball game with some lights down in the park. That was that was something that we always searched for. And I think just playing on the playground really just kind of, as you said, it, it made you made you tougher. It was just something about being out on the playground and wanting to compete against maybe a bunch of people that you've never played against before from different areas. And and really just as a young kid, I had to wait my turn at the playground yes. that's something that's something that this generation doesn't really know about in the sense of and you probably waited there the whole day you know when all the all the older players were playing as a young kid it was kind of like yo young fella you got to wait your turn you know when we you get an opportunity or when the games kind of die down then they would always give you an opportunity to play a couple games at the end of it and you know that was kind of like it taught me a lot man about one about being hungry and then two about wanting to prove to the older kids man i belong out here i want to play i'm you know i'm trying to compete and it was just something about the whole basketball culture growing up that that's just the way it was you know mm -hmm. as a as, 
as a young athlete, if you were out at the park trying to play with the older kids, you had to wait. If you weren't you weren't good enough, you had to wait. And, you know, you could probably go to the park and be there for three or four hours and never get on the court. But we didn't leave. We stayed. You know, wanted, I wanted to be around the game. I wanted to watch the older kids. And, I, and like I said, I wanted to. I wanted to have an opportunity to try to compete against them. So there was a lot of different factors that that uh, kind of took place for me growing up as a kid playing on the playground. But it was always like a special place to be. And I think you see kids now, kids don't really play on the playground now. But I think now with, uh, with all of the pandemic and the COVID stuff, I think you see a lot more kids trying to get to the playground because really that's the only place they can get to now. So, you know, I would like to see that, that whole playground um, community kind of come back and, and revive itself. I think it'd be a great thing for kids to to understand what it's like to play out on the playground and and you know have dirty hands or play on double rims or play with play with rims that have chains on them. <laughs> I just, yes, man. I, I don't think kids are really they're not familiar. Bro, you just got my you gave me goosebumps, man, with the double rims and the chains because. Like, I, I tore my Achilles like a year and a half ago, and I waited because it was a partial tear to get it fixed. And I finally bit the bullet and, and did it. So then I was out for a year. So now that I'm finally getting back into the groove, and unfortunately, like you said, we are in this pandemic when it's over. I've been telling my son, when I'm ready to play, bro, you better come with it because we going from court to court like how I did it because this mm -hmm. is how you learn. You have to play against whether they're yep. adult men that are my age in their 40s or young cats that are 23, 24, you know, their games are over. They got done playing in high school, but they're going to push you around, and that's what's going to make you better. I don't care if we wait a half hour, get on the court, and lose. We'll wait another half hour and get on the court again. No, no question. No question. 100%. And, and I feel that they need to do that. And, and for me, uh, you know, you're a skill trainer, right? You, you, you do that. You work with kids. Um, do you think it's the parents' fault because what they want is, okay, kids play for multiple AAU teams, they're going to practices, then they got to work with their skill trainer, then they got games all weekend, like they've been games after games after games. Do you think that's a downfall from the parents or is that coming from coaches? Yeah, no, no, I don't think it's, it, fall, it, all, it falls all on the parents. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a community thing. There's a lot of factors involved with that. I think the parents – are trying to give their kids every opportunity they can to succeed. And so, you know, their, their mindset is, Hey, I, I want to make everything available to my child to, to, to have the best opportunities. But I just think that a, a mix with the parents and the coaches, there has to be a better, better structure for, for young talent. Because again, when you play basketball year round, even at this level, NBA players, we don't play basketball year round. Right. You know, college players, they don't play basketball year-round. You know, it's just not meant to be played year-round. And I think um, the combination of the AAU culture, the combination of AAU coaches, the combination of how the training industry has become saturated and everybody wants to be a trainer, I think it's just a whole mix of things, Coach. It's not just one thing. I think there's a bunch of things that go into that pot that kind of bring – all of these different dynamics to use basketball that are not always the greatest. Uh, so I, I'm always trying to educate people, one, about working smarter and not working harder. I think that's a really important key for young athletes. Yes, we're going to work hard, but it's also important to understand how to work smart 
I think a lot of kids overwork themselves. They overwork their bodies. They play too much basketball. Um, you know, that can be as detrimental as somebody not playing enough or not working enough. So there's always that balance that needs to be found. And again, I think that comes in between all of the areas uh, and parents just being more educated on what AAU should be for, you know, and how much their kids should train or how much their kids should play. You know, I just think there's all these different different areas that where people can be educated more. Right. I like that because I, I try to do a balance. So right now I have, well, when this pandemic started, I had tryouts. So I was going to be completed with nine teams. Um, now I don't know if that's going to happen. But before my last tryouts happened, I had seven full teams, seven full rosters. So I, I coached seven teams. And I have parents all the time that hit me up for, hey, my kid needs more skill training. What, what should I do? I just, you know, I give them references of people where they should go. Um, we need to play more games. We haven't had a game in a month and a half. Well, the reason why I do that is because as the community that we're in, and I'm very blessed with like Cody Topper in my corner, Jay, uh, Jordan Lawley, Ryan Rizuki. I got a lot of great humans in my corner with myself and my son. We're very blessed. I, I've come to the realization that you don't need to play that many games. Like you said, it's, it, it ends up being a, a mental it, it's a mental fatigue. Um, so what I try to do is, yes, we'll have our two practices a week. We'll get in our conditioning so you can stay somewhat conditioned. If you need to feel like you need to see a skill trainer, by all means, uh, as a family, you guys talk about it. You go do what you have to do. But you don't always have to play week after week. Like, you just don't need that. And, and I preach that to my parents. And they look at me I'm cra like I'm crazy. Cause my kids are yeah. 12 and 13 and, and yeah. seven and eight. And I'm like, you don't need a play, right? It's not, it's not serious yet. You got to relax. Yeah. I think there's a balance. There's a, listen, I think you always want to give, like I said, parents are really wanting to give their kids the, the platform to be successful. And then there's some parents that are living through their kids and right. trying to trying to drive their, their dreams and hopes through their kids. That's when it becomes an issue. Like, if you have a child that's 12, 13, and they have their own self-motivation, and they're like, hey, mom, dad, I want to work out, or, you know, they're, they're pushing the envelope on that, I think that's healthy. I don't think there's anything wrong with that in the sense that, hey, okay, I'm going to give you everything you need, but, boom, let's, let's kind of educate ourselves and let's make sure we do it the right way. Versus the other parents that are, you know, kind of forcing their kids to, to play. And because kids are kids, you know, they always want to – they want to please the parents. They want, you know, want the parents to be proud of them. You know, naturally they're gonna they're gonna form to it and say, okay, this is what my dad wants me to do. Boom, let me do it. There just has to be a better balance of understanding. Um, one, you know, I think all of these rankings and all these different things get a lot of people misconstrued about all of that stuff. Yeah, the rankings matter, but they don't matter. If that makes any sense, they, they know, matter in high school, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the older you get, I think they have they have a very they have a very good place. But you know, when you're 12, 13, I think you're really just starting to to figure out you know bits and pieces about your personality. You're trying to figure out things that you like, and you start to kind of shape and prepare yourself for teenage you know for for your teenage years. And I think it's really important for kids to have have a balance, but at the same time understand what it means to have some work ethic, you know? So again, as parents, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm always of the mindset, 
to my child, if you want to do this, okay, great. If you want to do it, then you're going to have to be ready to put forth the, the best effort. And I want you to really put some time in on it and, and as a parent. So I want to teach them that way. If there's something you want to do, all right, let's not half step it. Let's do it. But at the same time, I'm not going to force you uh, into being an athlete or I'm not going to force you to play basketball five days a week. I'm going to let you be a kid. And as you, as you grow and develop and your, your love for the game or any sport continues to grow, then, you know, boom, we'll continue to push the envelope. But I think you can leave a lot of it in the hands of the kids and, and allowing them to figure out what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. I like that. Um, what, what should kids practice on, um, to not let their game go into hibernation? Like, what are a few key things? Yeah, you know, right now, with uh, with everything that's going on, Coach, man, I, it's one of the reasons why I started my app. You know, the 94 Feet of Game app is, yep. is, a, is a great application for not just kids, but for parents, for trainers, for coaches. It's a great app, application for all of us to continue to study our craft. So, you know, we're doing a lot of at-home ball handling workouts for kids. Because, again, not everybody has a basketball court. Not everybody has access to a court. And so instead of just saying, hey, man, I can't do anything, you can grab a basketball, find some open space. You know, we, we have tons of content and drills on there. You know, I've, I've created uh, some 10-minute workouts that we actually give to our Laker players that kids can be doing at home. So there's a lot of stuff that they can do. You know, we, we use the whole terminology of no excuses anywhere, anytime. You know, there's 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 an opportunity for everybody to grab a basketball and get a little workout in your garage, in your front yard, in your backyard. If your parents are allowing you in your living room, whatever. I think there's there's place for, for everyone to find time to 10 to 15 minutes a day. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot. But if you're doing it right, you know, that 10 minute workout that we have on my app, that's a good burnout. Right. You'll be tired. You know, so I think that there's. There's different things that kids can be doing. And really, um, I think the most viable thing and the most recognizable thing is kids can really work on their ball handling. I think I think that's something that everybody can do, and you don't need a basket for that. You know, you can work on some footwork drills. You can work on some, some speed and agility drills. I think there's so many things that you can do, and this is a time for people to really just want to be creative. There's nothing wrong with being creative and, and trying to help yourself to improve. Oh, heck no, 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 no. I mean, me and my son – I'm very into fitness. I'm very into basketball. So, like this morning, him and I jump rope. We did ladder drills. We got our workout in. I mean, all band stuff. We did sprints. Like, I think that's very huge. But, but also in that, parents need to realize kids need to be properly hydrated, recovery. You yep. gotta use like you know like a Theragun or something on them. And you gotta ice. Um, am I right? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think, I think just the whole recovery piece for for young athletes is, I think, is something that's becoming um, a little bit more prevalent. People are educating themselves more on how to take care of the body, which is really good. You know, stretching, stretching is important for young athletes. I don't think enough of them. They don't do enough stretching before and after activities. And then you know, the hydration piece is crucial. Kids shouldn't drink as much soda. They shouldn't be drinking a lot of things with sugar. Um, you know, water is, is really good for you. And uh, icing is, man, that's that's a, that's a something that all pro athletes and college athletes, they live by. Icing is kind of something that really helps athletes to, to keep their joints from being inflamed. So 
icing is um is definitely ahead of the curve for kids, but you know, if they can start that process early and the earlier the better. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. What what would be a piece of advice you would give a, a parent and a player right now before they're getting into high school? You know, I think um, kids coming into high school, one, if you're looking at playing basketball and trying to be part of a high school program, one, you got to be coachable. I think this is the biggest the biggest misconception that people have. Be coachable as, a, as an athlete. You know, and going into high school, that's really crucial. Be a good teammate. And then the third piece is be willing to work. You know, those three things will allow any student athlete to be successful. If you're coachable, you're a good teammate, and you're really willing to work, man, every coach in every program is going to love to have a kid like that in their program. And, you know, just look, there's no there's no expectations. You know, there's no handouts. That's where the be willing to work part comes in, where kids are not expecting anything. You know, if you want to earn a spot, then go earn it. If you want to be in the starting five, then earn that, you know, but don't expect to be given anything and, and understand that it's not always the coach's fault. You know, everybody wants to blame the coach. Well, my child didn't play or coach didn't play me or coach doesn't like me. Sometimes I think high school athletes and young athletes have to take a step back. Parents take a step back, be parents for one, stop trying to be a, stop trying to be the coach be a parent, support your child from the sidelines. If there, if there's an issue with the coach, then as a parent, maybe you, you know, ask if you can have a meeting with the coach and, and do that privately and respectfully. And I think um, all of these type of things, they make a huge difference for, for the kids to be successful in high school with the programs. Be coachable, be a good teammate, and be willing to work hard. Wow, I like that. Now, I, I know that you've, you've – uh, trained and, and most of my listeners should know your story with Kobe Bryant and what happened there. Um, so knowing that, and I know that you've, you've trained Kobe, LeBron and Kawhi, obviously, which one made you feel more comfortable? I um, mean, I was good with all three of them. Oh, okay. Those, all right. All, all three of those guys are just phenomenal human beings, man. Aside from being great athletes right. and great, great basketball players, they're great people, great individuals. And so I have had a great relationship with Kobe. You know, I still have great relationships with LeBron and Kawhi and, and Kyrie and, and all the other guys I've ever had a chance to coach and train. Um, those guys, man, they're just, they're just phenomenal, phenomenal guys. And they respect, uh, they respect people that, that work harder in their craft. And so you know, that's why I was able to build, you know, great relationships with all three of those guys. And just, you know, people only get to see, see the public image, you know, everybody see the, the, the whole arrogance of Kobe Bryant, you know, people see, you know, LeBron James and, and, and what they think of him, you know, the prima donna type of stuff. And then people see Kawhi and they think he's quiet and, and doesn't speak. And all of those things are just public. They're just public perceptions. But when you get to know these dudes, man, they're, they're normal people just like us. They're just very, very highly driven very competitive, you know, and they're blessed with, uh, with a, a, a very natural ability to play basketball at a high level. But, man, all of those dudes were great. They're all great individuals, and uh, I, I appreciate, appreciate all three of them equally. Right. Okay, that's cool. What is the funniest moment you've ever had on the court training any one of your high-level players? 
man, you know, these guys, man, they're, they're, they're all usually pretty serious. Um, but I think uh, me and Kyrie, man, we used to, we used to mess around a lot, play, play a lot of one-on-one. You know, Kyrie was kind of the one guy that made me stop playing one-on-one with players uh, because he hit me with one of those crossovers <laughs> one time and uh, he kind of left me, left me holding my ankles and, and my back and, and every, every other part of my body. So <laughs> from that day on, I was like, all right, man, that's it. I'm done messing around with you, with you dudes. We'll stick to the training. But I remember that day vividly, man. Something that we still laugh about to this day. Right, right. Now, obviously, basketball is in a is a very big emotional roller coaster. There's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs, especially with youth players, college players, NBA players. How how do you deal with that in uh, getting yourself out of that rut, if if it is? You know, mental. I think the mental game is is a uh, is a big part of sports. But every player goes through slumps. Goes the best shooters in the world, they have off nights. The best players in the world, they have off nights. But uh, I think one thing that they all rely on, and they have trust in their training. They rely on the work that they put in, and they trust it. So even if you go through a slump, you know they don't really get down on themselves mentally. You know, they, they go back to the drawing board and said, okay, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, let me look at the game film. How did I, you know, where, what went wrong in this game? How, what went wrong with my shots? And they're constantly trying to analyze how they can stay sharp. But they trust their work. And a lot of people don't really understand what that means. You know, if you're putting in the work, if you're working behind closed doors and you know that you worked hard, you know, during the week to work on your shot, you worked on your ball handling, then you prepared yourself for that game at the end of the week. So that there, there shouldn't be very much reason for you to question your abilities because you put the work in. You know, I try to use the analogy of, of kids who know they have a final examination coming. The kids that study, they walk into that classroom on the day of the final very confident, right, because they know they put in the time to study. The other kids that, that haven't studied, they walk into that classroom feeling very uncertain about the test. They're they're not they're not secure in their ability to to answer the questions properly. I think the mental approach to basketball and any other sport is the same way. When you when you put in the work, you feel confident because you're prepared. You know that you put the work in. If you haven't put the work in, I think that's where you second guess yourself as an athlete because you know you have not put the work in to prepare yourself for the game. Um, so we always talk about preparing ahead of time to help alleviate uh, any mental breakdowns. You know, when we put the work in, it helps us become stronger mentally to where we avoid, you know, we avoid those those collapses and have, have mental breakdowns. Oh, man, I like that. Yeah, I tell my son all the time that, you know, you got to put in your deposits. So if you go and you're putting in your deposits, when Absolutely. game time comes, you can make your withdrawals and you'll be okay. Absolutely. You're right on point. <laughs> right on point, coach. Yeah. So what is your outlet from basketball? Oh, uh, man, you know, coach, my family, um, you know, this, this pandemic has really given me an opportunity to kind of get back and circle back to my family and friends. So I, I really, you know, kept my life really simple. Basketball takes up probably 95% of my time. So, you know, that other 5%, you know, I'm, I'm going to be really focused a lot more on giving that back to my family um, to, to strengthen, you know, my relationships and, and really remember the things that are important. 
Um, that's really, I mean, I'm pretty simple off the court. You know, I don't really do a lot of that. I like to travel. You know, I like music. You know, I'm a, I'm a video game guy when I have the time. But, but really, man, it just really boils down to me having the opportunity to, to balance myself out by, by, you know, being around those people that know me best. Okay, okay. Who is the hardest working athlete you've ever worked with? You know, um, I mean, obviously people always know about the work ethic of Kobe and LeBron. and You know, those guys are, are just high-level elite workers. But I would have to say that uh, Matthew Della Vadova is probably one of the hardest working athletes I've ever worked with. Wow, I mean, okay. He, he's extremely, extremely um, well-versed in maximizing every ounce of his talent. You know, he's not super athlete, not super fast. He's not, you know, one of those guys that is going to, you know, be super flashy, but he's going to work and he's going to squeeze every ounce of talent that he has out of his body. Man, I like that. That's really cool. I never knew that. Um, what's the difference you, you feel from training men and women or boys and girls? I don't really see, feel that there's too much difference. Okay. Um, female athletes, man, they're very talented. I yeah. think the only, the only difference between – NBA and WNBA athletes per se are, are just the athletic ability. That's it. Size and athletic ability. Female hoopers are very skilled. Uh, right. And a lot of times more skilled than, than men because they focus. Uh, their focus is more driven on the details, the fundamentals, the footwork, you know, the smallest details because, again, they're not, they're not the greatest athletes, so they have to, you know, figure out ways to, to gain an advantage. So, I don't really see too much difference again, just except for the athletic ability and the size, because there's a lot of there's a lot of talented female hoopers out there that I know that give some do some buckets. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Aside from basketball, what other major sport typically has the best trained athletes? You think? Um, man, you know, coach, that's a great question. I've, I've had a chance to just really dive into all types of different sports because every sport is different right and the way you prepare for every sport is different so i i respect and i respect all all sports but i tell you like like soccer soccer is non-stop they yeah. don't stop they don't stop running and you know that's a that's a huge field to cover you know i look at hockey hockey is fast paced you know on ice and it's like one of those things where people are really you know pounding their bodies i mean Again, look, there's all these different sports codes that I can tap into and, and have arguments for the UFC insane amount of training that these athletes do to to push their bodies to be able to, you know, fight and perform the way they do, man. Boxing. Yeah. You know, I mean there's there's all these different sports codes that, that require like high intensity training that uh, people just don't really understand. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a respecter, man. I'm a respecter of all sports and how they have to train to prepare themselves. That's one thing that I've really, you know, dove into documentaries and, and reading and seeing as much as I can about different athletes in, in their sport and how they, how they thrive to be successful. So I can't really pinpoint one. That's why I just say I'm just, I'm a respecter of, of all these athletes in the different sports and how they prepare themselves. Okay. That's cool. Now, if you could train any basketball athlete, one, that's not playing, and two, that's no longer with us 
at this time. Who would those two be? Man. Um, I'm getting you. I'm getting you. Nah, you know what, Coach? I would probably – I would definitely want to get in the gym with MJ. Okay. And, and and do some work with him and train him. You know, that's that's for sure. And then, you know, I think about guys like, like Wilt. You know, it's just taking back on to some old school guys. You know, what would it what would have been like to work with him and help him? Right. You know, with some of his fundamentals. So, you know, those those are MJ for sure. I'd definitely love to get in the gym with him. Okay. Yeah. That's why I asked it. One that's with us and then one's no longer with us. I like those. I like both those answers. Now, if you can create your own dream team that players are playing today and obviously they gotta be from the States, what would be what would your starting five be? Uh, current players now? Yes, sir. Oh, man. Probably LeBron, KD. Oh, yeah. Kawhi, Giannis. And then I'm going to probably go with, with Kyrie. Okay, yeah, I like Kyrie. All right, yeah, I like that. I like that would that. probably be my, be my five right now. Okay. Let's talk about you and Deuce Brand and being your own GOAT because I love your saying being your own GOAT because I always tell all of my players because they're always like, well, I want to be like LeBron. Or I want to be like Kyrie. I got to be, I got to have his number. And I'm like, I got to be LeBron, you know? And I'm like, look, guys, be the best version of yourself. That's what I tell all my players. So be yeah. your own GOAT. I love it. It's very similar. Can you talk about you and Deuce? Yeah, Coach, that's, that's, you know, that's Deuce is, uh, you know, me and Deuce have a partnership. You know, we've been working together for about five years now. You know, they do a great job of just creating bands and, and, and shirts and hoodies. You know, really good apparel company. But but they captured the vision of, uh, of where I wanted to go with the whole Be Your Own Goat brand. And, and really, it's exactly what you said, Coach. It's, there's, there's enough space in this world for everyone. I don't care what walk of life you're in, doctors, teachers, uh, painters, cooks, whatever. You know, whatever you're doing in your life, there is an opportunity for all of us to reach that certain level of greatness that we have in us every day. And it's not it's not always about trying to be, you know, the next LeBron or the next Kobe or it's all it's about trying to be the next you. And how can you elevate yourself to be great every day? And, you know, it's just a, it's a little thing to just try to inspire people to not settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for being mediocre. You know, let's let's really push the envelope. And again, there's in any walk of life, there is a level. There is a level of greatness that can be that you can really push yourself to. And I think if everybody kind of had that mindset, um, you would see just a lot more positivity in the world, um, because I think. Look, you those those guys can motivate you and inspire you. Right. That's, that's absolutely what they're there for. But they should motivate you and inspire you to be great in your own way. And uh, that's what the whole be your own go thing is about. It's just really helping people look within themselves to find your greatness. And, and let's push towards it. Yeah, I like that. What do you fear in life? I don't have no fear, Coach. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, there's no fear. I don't think... I'm a, I'm a pretty, I'm going to use the word reckless. I'm a pretty reckless person in the sense that I don't think there's anything on this earth that I can't do. And, you know, so I don't really have a fear of failing. I don't, I don't have a fear of another person. You know, I'm not fearful of, 
of uh, you know trying to reach certain goals. It just, I mean, I just believe in putting my head down and, and let's just try to get the work done. Oh yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of uh, motivational speakers, and my favorite by far, for some reason, that connects to me is uh, Les Brown, and he always says, "You're gonna fail your way to the top." I tell my son that every time he's, he's on himself about yeah. that. I'm like, we're going to fail your way to the top, kid. We're going to do it. I'm here with you. Yep. I love that. What about how, how big are you on faith? Faith is everything to me. Yeah, I mean, I grew up I grew up in a church. My, my father was a minister, so I, I grew up in a very religious religious household. I just think that, uh, you know, growing up the way I did just gave me a moral compass. And... You know, a lot of people have different beliefs in religion. And so I've always said, look, same thing. It's kind of like being your own goat. I don't care what religious background you come from. If you're going to be a part of it, then dive into it and be a part of that faith wholeheartedly. You know, so that's kind of like the take that I've taken on religion. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people have had opportunities where they want to knock another person's religion. Um, everybody has a different, everybody has different beliefs. Right. I just believe that whatever your belief system is, then believe in it. You know, if, if you if you're a Muslim, be a, be the best Muslim you can be. If you're a Buddhist, be the best Buddhist. Catholic, Christian, whatever it may be. You know, I'm, I've always believed that if that's what you believe in, then then be it to the fullest and try to maximize it. Nice. So if you're gonna leave this earth today, and you wrote th uh, on a piece of paper a note, three words, and it's basically gonna hopefully have someone walk in that same path? What would those three words, words be? Excuse me. Man, that's a good one, Coach. Three words. It would be more of a question. Okay. Um, and my question would be, did I help? Okay, that's it? That's it. Woohoo! Those three words, and I think that that encompasses a lot of things, you know. Did I help someone else? Yeah. Did I help? Did I help leave the world in a better place? You know. Did I help to inspire someone? You know, all, to me, that that would kind of be the, the compass for me. Did I help? You know. Did, did I did I help make an impact on this world? You know, so that that those three words would probably probably be at the top of my mind right now. I like that, Coach. That's fire. Well, hey, Coach. It was a blessing to have you on my show. Um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, where can they find you? Man, Coach, you can you, know, you can find me on Instagram. That's really one of the main sources of uh, you know social media for me. The real ninety-four feet of game. Um, you know, you can find me on my my app www.94 feet of game backslash app youtube 94 feet of game you know anything 94 feet of game coach punch it in on google uh feel handy it'll probably pop up nice